So the reading this morning is John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If, he, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Thank you, Tim. Let's pray this morning, and then uh, we'll open up God's Word. Father, we pray this morning that as we do look at your Word, the, uh, the, the passage this morning would be pressed into our hearts, into our minds, that we would be willing to think carefully about our lives and um, reflect about who you are and how to make you great in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, this morning... I'm sorry, this is really off topic for one second, but is anyone, I, I'm smelling smoke a little bit. All right, all right. I'm just uh, on my radar, Malibu Santa Ana's, and I'm like smelling smoke this morning. That's good, all right. Well, then we're all okay. Um, I think most of you know, or I've mentioned this before, but um, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, and... Um, one of the really fun things about uh, turning 16 and getting your driver's license is the opportunity to go explore. And uh, I grew up on the Olympic Peninsula, which means there's lots of rivers and ocean and mountains to explore. And um, one of the most clear memories I have of being a teenager is going up into uh, the Olympic Mountains and exploring rivers. And there's a certain time of the year in the fall when the salmon begin to run. And, it's, and I hope at some point in your life you get to see the salmon run upriver. It's, uh, it's truly amazing. But there's, a, there's such a powerful image and a powerful picture here of, of salmon uh, going upriver. They're swimming against the current. And it's a stressful time for them, and they have to keep moving because they're going against the current. It's like continual, nonstop <laughs> effort. And, and unfortunately, or fortunately, sometimes it's just, it's a picture of life, that we're just going, that we feel like life is always going against us. That if we just, if you stop moving, you go downstream. 
And this is what's happened. This is the context of what Jesus is talking about here in John chapter 15. The, the disciples are stressed. They're unsure that what's going to be happening in the future. And that's something we can all relate to. And it doesn't even matter what stage of life you're, you're at. Um, I, I work with teenagers. I teach eighth grade. And they regularly struggle with stress and anxiety. And when you get older, you want to look back and be like, what? you're 14. You should be like just enjoying life. It should be fun. It should be thrilling. And it's just not. You get into college, there's really fun things. There's stress and anxiety there. Once you get married, there's this next new stress. Kids, every phase of life. Once the kids are out of the house, you think it's just great and fun all the time, there's new stress there. And what I want to talk about this morning from John chapter 15 is that that we can grow, that there can be supernatural character growth in our lives despite the challenges, despite the stress that life often brings. Jesus is very clear this morning that, that it is possible to change, that supernatural, that God-powered change, God-powered internal character change can happen in our lives. And that change is to make us to become more like Jesus. And so this morning in John chapter 15, we'll just spend a, a few moments looking at this, and we'll look at three things. We'll break up what uh, Tim read this morning into three parts. Number one, we'll look at the source for growth, the source for change in our lives. We'll look at how it happens, and then we'll look at, we'll finish with the evidence, or what things will show up in our lives when real change is happening. So this morning, I, I want to spend time looking at supernatural internal character change. Change that can only be attributed to God working in your life. It, it is, um, hopefully it's true. People should say things. People that would know me when I was in my 20s or my teenage years, they should, we, we hope that the kind of change is happening and they would say things like, it is impossible. There's no way that Brian Kelly would have been a pastor. No way that Brian Renner, Tony Mark, Lockwood Holmes are leaders of a church. I knew what they were like in college. I knew what they were like before. And to that we can say, yes, praise God that supernatural internal change can happen because of what God has done in our lives. Yes, we can all make little minor adjustments, but what Jesus is talking about is change that can only be attributed to his grace, to his love for us. And so this morning, we'll look at this. Number one, the source for growth is our relationship for Jesus. Jesus begins by making this statement. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And early on, he's saying this, that the connection or the source of supernatural internal character change is our relationship to Jesus Christ. That there is an, an intricate, there is an intimate, close link between people who profess to be his followers and Jesus Christ. I want to spend just a moment and try to help us understand what Jesus is talking about by pointing out to you the adjective true. And, and what we have to understand is that this picture of a vine and branches and fruit is consistent throughout the Bible. In fact, if you if you were to go back in the Bible and look throughout the Old Testament, you would see, and you'll see this in Psalms chapter 80 and in other places, where the vine represents Israel. Let me just show you one place. Just turn with me 
in your Bible, and let me just show you the consistency of the Bible. So it's Psalms chapter 80. Turn back in your Bibles a long ways to the middle of your Bible. Psalm chapter 80. And we'll see this picture. This is not just uh, Jesus out walking with his disciples and saying, hey, look, there's a, some grapes. Let's talk about grapes. There's something going on here that's more clear. And, and we'll see just one example of many in Psalm chapter 80, and I'll begin in verse 8. The writer of the Psalms writes this, You brought a vine out of Egypt, referring to the nation of Israel. You drove it out of the nations and you planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade and mighty cedars with its branches. Verse 11, it sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. The vine is flourishing. The nation of Israel is flourishing in the promised land. Why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass through it along will, the way will pluck its fruit? And then it goes on, verse 17, referring to this desperate, this hard time that there will be a one who comes. Verse 17 says this, but let your hand be on the man of your right hand. That's referring to Jesus Christ. The Son of Man, whom you have made strong for yourself. One other place in Isaiah chapter 5 tells the story of, of Israel being the vine, but not fulfilling its relationship. God had made Israel a blessing in order to be a blessing to others. And so, and so Jesus in John chapter 15 is saying, that I am the true vine, that I am the true source of blessing, that I am the true one who can bring supernatural growth in your life. And so here's what he says. If you look in verse 5, he repeats it and says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. So it's a very clear picture here that we can, just, we can use our imagination. In fact, we don't have to use our imagination too much because there are actually grapevines all around us here on different neighboring properties. But Jesus is using this example to describe the relationship. Jesus is saying that the relationship between himself and us is intimate. It's close. It's all-knowing. It's life-giving. The picture here is that the roots go into the soil to gain the nutrients from the water, uh, from the soil, and that from that, the branches gain life from the vine. Jesus is describing the closeness of our relationship here. A level, a degree of intimacy that goes far beyond influence. So we think about this for a second. We all have a circle of friends. We have some friends that we would call acquaintances, and then we just work ourselves to friends that we would call very close friends. And these are people that create influence in our lives, people that have an impact in our lives. And Jesus is saying, I'm far closer than that that my life is directly linked to yours and that the reason why you can grow, the reason why actual change can happen in your life is because I am far more than an add-on. I am far more than an influence. I am directly linked to your life. He is our life. Christ is our life. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote letters to uh, different churches, he said this in Colossians chapter 3, he wrote, Christ is your life. It's not that Christ is an add-on. 
It's that he is our life. Romans chapter 6 says this, that we are united with Christ. So the, the relationship between Christ and us is the source because of the intimate level of relationship. In fact, one of the, the most beautiful pictures of this, if you have your Bible, turn towards the end to 1 Peter. And, and Peter, excuse me, 2 Peter, and 2 Peter makes this so clear. And here's one thing that's amazing about the scriptures is that Peter, the author of 2 Peter, was there. He is one of these guys that is listening to Jesus when he says that I am the vine and you are the branches. And listen to what he says here. This is 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted us his precious and very great promises that through them you might be partakers of the divine nature. What Jesus is talking about is that our lives are intimately linked with Christ. And it's only because of that relationship that we can grow, that we can change. And he goes on and says this, having escaped the corruption that is in the world, having escaped the decay of the world, while life is challenging, life is hard, doesn't matter what stage of life you're at, doesn't matter how much money you make, doesn't matter if you're single or married, doesn't, none of that matters. Everyone has seasons and challenges of life. And Jesus says that you can grow, you can have supernatural character change because my life is intimately connected to yours. Christ is our life. Christ is intimately related to every part of who we are. And so that is the source. We turn back to John chapter 15 again. That is the source. The reason why you can change it's not through self-effort, not through trying really hard. We've all, we've all been completely exhausted in life by trying really hard to change. And Jesus says, there's a way, and it's through my life. I am the vine, and you are the branches. That's where it starts. Well, how do we do it? How do we grow? And here's the word that's repeated over and over and over again. Seven times this word is repeated. Abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. Growth happens through a living relationship with Jesus that regularly depends on Him. He's our source, but He's also a living relationship that we have. It's this farming, this plant image that Jesus uses to describe how we will grow. And He begins with this. He begins with this warning. John chapter 15, verse 2 begins with this warning. It says this, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And I think what Jesus is talking about here, he's talking about a formal, empty, religious system that doesn't produce a relationship with him. And if we think about it for a minute, and we think about what's going on here in the life of Christ, who is plotting his death at this particular moment as he's speaking these words on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane? Who is orchestrating his death? 
It's a religious system that's based on formal activities. It's based on outward expressions. And it's not based on a relationship. Jesus is saying that empty, formal, religious activities are nothing. They're dead wood. And Jesus says that they'll be taken away. And so he's just making a distinction. He's, he's prompting us to think about our lives and what is the purpose of our lives. What is the ultimate reality? What are the ultimate things that God wants for our lives? He wants, and here's the answer, he wants a relationship with us. He's not interested in formal, empty routines that ignore a heart relationship. And so here's what he says. How do we grow? Here, here's what he did. There's one thing that God will do, we'll find here in the passage, and then two things that we'll do. Number one, how we grow, how we abide in Christ, how we have supernatural character change. Jesus says this at the end of verse 2. He says that he will prune away that, I'll read verse 2, it says this, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away formal, empty, religious traditions. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. What is God's role in our life? What is God's role in, in producing supernatural character change? It means that he might prune. Prune means to take away. Prune means to, to purify, to clean. Why? To produce future health. And pruning is often, unfortunately, it's just very messy. And we see this a lot. If you've been around Malibu, you see how much tree trimming goes on. And, and you look at a tree that's just been pruned, the, the big eucalyptus trees. It's, just, it's a big mess. Lots of cutting back. Why? To produce future health. God wants to bring internal, real character change in your life, and it might require pruning. That means taking away things in our lives that might get in the way of our growth. It means it might hurt now. It might not feel right right now, but it will produce future health. And we have to think about this for a minute. Are there things in our lives that are preventing us from growing? Are there things in our lives that are preventing you from abiding in Christ? God says that pruning, taking away things, maybe good things in our lives, will be necessary. In fact, we see this same idea in Hebrews chapter 11 where the, the author of Hebrews says that, that part of of being a father of Christ includes discipline. And that can be one of the hardest things. If you even think about, I was talking to a friend uh, just recently about disciplining our children. Like, it, it takes discipline as a parent. It takes discipline for me to discipline my children. Because I don't want to. Because I, I enjoy life being fun and good and like in a, a certain level of joyfulness all the time. But we know as parents, that discipline is part of it. And so God says that he might allow things to happen into our lives to produce a, a future greater good. When Paul wrote a letter to uh, Philippi, he said this, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. That God is not done with any of us. 
that he, is work, that he is actively working in all of our lives to make us to become more like Jesus. And that means purifying things sometimes. Well, what is our role? Jesus says, abide in me seven times. Abide in me. That means to depend on him, to rely on him, to see him as ultimate. Moment by moment, trusting in Christ for all of our needs. Here's what he says for clarity. This, this, look how Jesus even explains it further in verse 7. He says this. Actually, I'll start in verse 6. I have manifested your name to the people. Oop, i got to turn the page. The wind blew it. Sorry. Verse, <laughs> verse 7 says this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. What does it mean to abide in Christ? Jesus adds more clarity, adds more help to us. He says this, abide in my words. And then he says something amazing. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done. We abide in Christ by being people who invest time in God's word and pray and, say, and, and pray things like this. If you want supernatural character change, the prayer would be things like this. God, are there things in my life that need to be pruned away? Are there things in my life that are distracting me from growing to become more like your son Jesus? Are there things that I'm holding on to, things that I, that I enjoy, but might be holding me back to become more like your son Jesus? Jesus is saying this, that the word of God must fill our lives. We can ask ourselves, why does my, how come my life never really changes? How come it, I can't produce any character change? And Jesus offers us insight. He says to abide in me, remain in me, depend on me. Listen, we all think about this. We, all, we probably, every person here probably has someone in your life and you'll be like thinking, will they ever change? It's impossible. This guy's like 40 years old and he won't change. Jesus offers us help. He says this, abide in my word. Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing to Colossians, says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That means that when you read the Bible, you're not reading it just for inspiration, although you can. You're not reading it just for doctrinal understanding, although you can. You're not reading it to try to persuade an argument for someone else for some debate you're having. Maybe there's time and a place for that. Jesus is saying this, Abide in my word. That means as you read God's word, you ask and pray that you would help me to become more like Jesus. That my life, that my character would become more like Christ. He says one other thing in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. He's talking about two things here. Abiding in truth, God's word. And he's talking about abiding in love. And this is really interesting, and I think hopefully this is something we talk a lot about here. Abiding in his love means that you allow the truth of what God has done for you to impact your life. That you are willing to understand how much you are loved and what that means. And to wrestle with this, that Christ lived the life that none of us can live, Christ died a death that none of us could return from, 
And yet he did and gave it all to us. The reason why Christ died is that so you don't have to. So that you can live life today with a supernatural power because our lives are so connected to him. And because we can have assurance that when our physical bodies break down and die, our spirit doesn't, our soul doesn't. And here's what that does. When you abide in love, it gives you assurance, it gives you confidence, it gives you joy, it gives you peace. Think about, think about your life when you have close friendships and those relationships are going well or close um, with your spouse if you're married and when life is going well. You think about how a man has a certain level of confidence in his life when he knows that his wife is supporting him and believes in him and vice versa. Jesus is saying this, that despite the truth that in a few hours he's going to the cross and the disciples are stressed, they've been living and, and spending time with Jesus for the last three years and they're unsure what in the world is going on. And he says to them, abide in my word, abide in my love, and you will grow. And we know what happens. If we project into the future, we know that a worldwide revolution happens because of these 12 men. And it's a revolution of love. It's a revolution of selflessness. It's a paradox that Jesus brings because of what grace will do to our hearts. Let me finish up with this. What, is, what does this growth look like? What does this fruit look like? Because he says this, that Christians will be fruit producers, that things will show up, that our lives are to be productive. That supernatural character change will happen and our lives will become more like Jesus. How does that happen? What does that look like? Let me, uh, I found this quote and it was really interesting because it, because honestly, sometimes we, we read things like this and we're like, this just seems, sometimes the Bible seems unrealistic that we're to be Christ-like. I think I'm safe in sharing this story. I had to look around, make sure the person's not here. But it was like two or three weeks ago and somebody came and, um, and it took, like an, it was like at 9.45 or 9.50 in the morning. And, and that time of morning on Sunday mornings, the thing I enjoy most is just saying hello to people. And um, this particular person, she, she wanted to take, she, it's like she's like, she came up to me and was like, I want, I want to use the property. Um, we should be having prayer meetings here um, throughout the week. And, um, and I want to lead that. I want to make that happen. And I said, well, that's, that probably won't happen. We've... Uh, made an agreement with the neighbors that we would just use it here Sunday mornings and we really want to be good neighbors. And I said, and then she said, well, who, do you own it? Do you own the property? And I said, no, I don't, but a friend of mine does. Who's he? And, and my, my Christ-likeness is, is becoming really challenging because, <laughs> and, and I'll tell you this, that the person was much older than me and I, listen, all this, and my parents were, raised me that you be respectful, well, to anyone, but particularly to people who are older than you. And abiding in 
truth, abiding in love. And that doesn't mean that I don't deal with it. And, and thankfully, the person stopped talking before I felt like I had, I had to deal with it, in a, in a, hopefully in a gentle way. But I'm saying this. We all have weaknesses. We all have flaws. We all have struggles. And the only way genuine supernatural change can happen is when you understand that Christ is in you. And here's why I want to even share the quote. This is from William Temple, a bishop in England from the 1940s. All right, he said this, It is no good giving me a play like Hamlet and telling me to write a play like that. Shakespeare could do it, I can't. It's no good showing me a life like Jesus and telling me to live a life like that. Jesus can do it, and I can't. But if the genius of Shakespeare could come and live in me, then I could write plays like this. And if the Spirit could come into me, then I can live like this. And that is gospel truth. When you understand the source, when you understand the link between the vine and the branch is vital. It is life-giving. We can all grow. We can all change. We don't have to stay stuck in our same routines. Fruit is not defined by the world. It is not success. It is not... We have to be so careful. We, have, we cannot allow the world to define what it means to bear fruit. It's not popularity. It's not success in life. It's not church growth. It's not all of these things that we might think that this guy's living a fruitful life. In fact, one of the most interesting passages ever to me is Matthew chapter 7, when Jesus talks about these people, we don't know exactly who they are, Matthew chapter 7, who are highly successful in ministry. They're doing all these super powerful things. They're actually casting demons out of people. They're doing miracles. And Jesus says, I, I don't even know you. I don't even know you. So everything we think about success, we need to rethink about. Because listen, here's the reality. If, if I'm a church planter in Malibu, like we were six years ago, and our church had 5,000 people coming, right? Everyone would want me to come and speak at some conference or something. Because, why? Because there's lots of people. And Jesus is saying this, listen, stop and think carefully and clearly what success is. And Jesus is talking about this, about a transformation of character, of who we are on the inside, of producing Christ-like character. And maybe the best place to go to think about this is Galatians, when Paul writes about the fruit of the Spirit. And before I read it, let me ask you this question. If I were to ask a handful of your friends to give me two or three descriptive words of who you are, would these words come to mind? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. This is what Jesus is talking about. It's not talking about 
success as the way the world defines it. He's talking about how we, from the inside out, become more like Christ. That is the fruit. That is what matters. Nothing else matters. However you want to define success, make sure we think carefully and biblically about what is going on. And that is why the only way those kinds of things will appear in our life is when you understand that your life is connected to Christ. That he might be pruning things in your life to, pr to produce humility. He might be pruning the prideful people here to produce humility. He might be pruning the selfish people so they'll become more selfless. He might be pruning the controlling people so they'll be more generous. Jesus here in uh, John chapter 15 is encouraging his followers, this small group of guys who will soon see their Lord and Savior die on a cross. He's preparing them so that when he leaves and the Holy Spirit comes, that real change will happen, real transformation will happen people's lives will be changed because of the kind of fruit that we just talked about. Let's pray. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come this morning as we continue in worship, that we would, that we would pray, that we would, that we would pray a bold prayer, that if pruning needs to come to make us more like your son Jesus, then let it come. If we need to better learn to trust and remain in your love, I pray that would come. Father, I pray that we would be filled with your spirit to better understand and have assurance of how much you love us. That walls of fear, of insecurity, would be replaced with your love. I pray that that character change would happen in our lives, in the community that we live in here, so that our lives would be marked by your son Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.